630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. In this hour of the program at 7.30, it'll be another edition of the Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss, hosted by Morley Scott. This half hour, we'll spend some time talking about the Edmonton Oilers. Update you on Monday Night Football. It is 10-3 now, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, over the Denver Broncos, they're midway through the second quarter. Uh, we have a call on the line as it's Dave Campbell and for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed will be back tomorrow. I'll be back Wednesday. Reed, Thursday, Friday, Oilers play in Germany against the Clone Sharks. 8 a.m. on Wednesday, we have breakfast with the Oilers with Reed starting at 7 in the morning. John uh, wants to chime in here on the Eskimos. Hey, John. Hey, Dave. Uh, nice to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, I'm not too worried about the offense because. I think the offense is fixable, and I think it's fixable fairly easily. Uh, to start with, you'll never, ever see Mike Riley have another game like that in his life. Good point. It won't happen. It's not in his DNA. It's not his MO. It's not his past history. He'll be fine. What you got to do, though, is you got to fix the pass protection. And I don't know if you had a chance to see the NFL game last night, but Baltimore Ravens on third and long brought in a seven-man line for pass protection, and they said, okay, you guys want to blitz us, we're going to throw the ball, and if you want to commit a whole bunch of guys to getting the quarterback, there's going to be a lot of guys open, and it works like a charm. And, and the Eskimos used to have the best record for pass protection in the CFL, the fewest sacks allowed. Mm-hmm. But what they have struggled with is having a, a blitz-release guy. So when, if it's just first down and there's extra guys coming, mm-hmm. they got to get C.J. Gable out, and he has to know that if there's extra people coming, he takes three or four steps to the side, and Riley knows he's there, and that will help with regular plays. So not worried about that so much. I am concerned, like I... I put percentages on it okay let's say the offense is 70 or 80 percent of the problem but you know what you have to split the other problem between the defense and the special teams and on the defense it doesn't do us any good to have field goals kicked after that team has used up five or six minutes on their drive and so what the defense has to figure out is a way to make timely stops. Like Winnipeg was uh, second and 12 on their own 10-yard line, and, man, they completed a 25-yard pass. But it happened one drive. It happened once. I know. John, it happened once. It's it's happened regularly. No, I don't. uh, Yeah, it has happened regularly. Yeah, I do agree. Like against the the Red Blacks, it happened too much. Uh, Fourth quarter against the Stampeders, it happened too much. Uh, fourth quarter against the Tiger Cats in Hamilton and happened too much. Yeah, I, I I do agree it has happened, but in that game specifically, the defense did their job, in my opinion, because majority of the Bombers' drives were started in Eskimo territory, and you're putting a lot of pressure on the defense. And I'll say this to you, John. I'll say this to everyone else. I think Mike Benavides is getting more out of his defense than Jason Moss is getting out of his offense lately. 
Well, I think they have to, to do something to improve the pass coverage, and we, we never have replaced Kenny Ladler or Leon Dacey, and, and that's been a concern. Now, Brandon Thompson's supposed to be ready to come back. Maybe he'll help. I think Johnny Adams is still on, on the injured list. Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't think Johnny Adams will be a factor this year. I, no. I, I don't, no. Okay. Then special teams, you know, uh, geez, they got to just stop getting penalties like holding and clipping yeah. on the punt returns. I mean, have two or three nice punt returns, and then we're starting again at the at the ten yard line. And and to have the first punt blocked and two guys come through, I mean, I I don't know if that's the scheme or they just both blew the coverage. But yeah, was that just demoralizing? Okay, John, thank you very much. Thanks a lot. When John talks about pressure, and uh, Derek says. Uh, uh, it seems that Mike Riley, Derek on Twitter, that is, at Dave underscore Chet, seems that Riley is holding on to the ball far longer than in the past. Have you noticed this? Is it him? Are the schemes just not working? Needs to throw up much quicker IMO. That's part of the problem. I think there's times where Mike Riley uh, allows pressure to come to him because he doesn't throw the ball uh, quick enough. And I think there's times where Mike Riley is trying to do way too much. Um, and that's not good. I do think there are times the offensive line doesn't um, help as well. Middle pressure is what I think is really troublesome when you talk about pressure on a quarterback. You know, a quarterback still has time if, if a, if a uh, defensive end gets kind of washed wide and then he has to take a, a wide angle back to the quarterback. It's different if he's, you know, if he comes in clean or if he's, he gets a good pass rush move on a tackle and he's got a straight line to the quarterback. That's a little different. Middle pressure is a different story, and I thought there was too much middle pressure at times on Riley. And I don't think the receivers are doing... Uh, exactly what they're supposed to do at times as well, and I don't think C.J. Gable's being used enough, so there you go. Um, and I don't think Jason Moss at, at times is, I think, being as patient as maybe he needs to be, um, or as very, you know, as varied with the offense, but like he said on Saturday on the postgame show, it's hard to, I think it's hard for him to know what to call when you can't execute a darn thing. So, but he said today, maybe I need to just simplify it. Maybe I just need to simplify things, and often that's all that it takes is, you know, drop it back a bit and or dial it back a bit and complete what, you know, the simple plays, and then you can kind of throw in the more, I would say, the more complicated plays or more complex plays. But, um, you know, to me, I am more concerned about the offense than in the other phase, although the return game I'm really concerned about as well. So see what happens with Corey McDermott being fired and replaced by his special teams assistant, Dave Jackson. Oilers making uh, uh, their first appearance in Germany today, uh, getting on the ice after a long travel day. They got to Germany at noon on Sunday and uh, had the rest of that day off, obviously, just to get themselves uh, all acclimatized. It's an eight-hour time difference. Uh, how did the boys look this morning, Tom McClellan? With our group today, uh, I expected them to be dragging their their butts a little bit more, but they uh, they came, they worked, uh, they battled. It wasn't a polished practice, uh, but we got out of it what we needed to and um, talked about getting our legs underneath us and beginning to adjust and feel a little bit better here than, than maybe we did when we landed or woke up this morning. Winger Milan Lucic on adjusting to the time change. Uh, I felt actually pretty good today. I, I can't speak for everyone, but for myself, uh, uh, so far so good. Uh, I was able to sleep till 7 a.m., which was a good thing, but uh, just going to try to do what I can uh, to stay up until uh, till 10 p.m. tonight. Uh-huh. 
Of course, a couple uh, German players on the team. Leon Dreisaitl, of course, uh, the most noted on the Oilers. Uh, Tobias Reeder signed in the offseason as well. Uh, but McClellan, I mean, this is a special special time for Leon Dreisaitl, for sure, uh, coming home to, uh, to uh, Cologne and play the Cologne Sharks on Wednesday. He's got a big smile on his face. He's happy about being here. He's proud of... Uh, of his community, certainly proud of, of his father and uh, all the help that he gave him growing up and also proud of his dad's team. Um, a lot of the players, coaches are interested in what's going on there. We were all wondering how they made out yesterday, so um, really unique situation for something like that to happen and uh, I'm glad that it is and um, I'm sure both uh, the dry sidles are going to have a, a real good game tomorrow. Well, you know what, from, from what I understand, what I watch and, and what I've been able to find out, it's, it's played at a very high level. There's a passionate fan following in every city. Um, it sounds like those fans move from city to city. They take their, their fan clubs and they end up watching uh, games on the road. And uh, I think that's tremendous. The, uh, the national program, Marco Sturm's doing a, a tremendous job there, obviously with their Olympic push last year and, and uh, developing young players. So I think it's in real good hands right now, um, from what I understand, and, and it's uh, going the right direction. So pretty exciting for uh, the Oilers, exciting for Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, he's going to play against his dad's team, uh, the Cologne Sharks, on Wednesday morning. Tobias Reeder's on the trip. Uh, he is from Germany, and uh, Bob Stoffer had a chance to speak with him earlier today. How cool has this been to come back to your home country and to, uh, you know, to be with an Oilers team with, frankly, a cavalcade of, you know, you got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on this team. You're another one of the German guys, but what's this been like? You know, it's uh, it's been great so far. You know, we got treated really well, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's just fun being around a couple familiar faces, and you know, talk to speak German to them, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, fun bringing the whole team, you know, to your home country and uh, playing a game here. I remember when Uwe Krupp coached uh, the German team at the World Championships in the Quebec City one year, and Germany didn't play too well, and uh, you're, you're laughing already, and if some people were questioning the plight of German hockey at that time but you know there are some players coming you're in the league obviously Leon has a chance I think to be uh, the best uh, German player that's maybe ever played uh, are we seeing that it's more than just a soccer producing country because let's face it this, you know, this country is about as deep as there is in the world when it comes to what we consider soccer over in North America but football in Europe yeah uh, you know that's true but uh, um, you know the I think the German hockey has gone a long way uh, it's, I feel like every summer I'm coming back it's getting better and better and uh, obviously it helped a lot uh, winning the silver medal at the Olympics so you know there's a there's a hype about hockey uh, since they since the Olympics and uh, you know I feel like they've taken steps forward one of the things the Germans did in soccer after crashing out of the Euro back in 2000 they, one of the things uh, Germany did in soccer after crashing out in the Euro in 2000 is they focused on skill 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 Canada did the same thing in hockey is that is that an area that maybe Germany has really emphasized with hockey development over the last four to six years is greater emphasis and skill? Uh, good question. <laughs> you know, uh, um, like I don't see too much of you know how the development how, yeah how the development will work, will work. Uh, you know I just see it you know playing on the national team then after the season and uh, 
and uh, yeah, and I see it in my hometown. You know how they try to make uh, hockey development better. You know they get more coaches on the ice for younger kids, and uh, they get more kids to play hockey. So I think that's the most important thing. Who was your favorite player growing up as a kid? Uh, it was uh, Marco Sturm. Marco Sturm. Yeah, he's uh, he's from my hometown, and uh, you know I'm, I know him pretty well. My parents know him pretty well. So and, uh, and, now, and now he's coaching the team. Yes, exactly. So. Uh, no, when I grew up, uh, you know, there, were, there weren't too many German players who made it in the NHL, so I, I was, he's somebody I looked up to. For the Oilers, last year was a step back after a pretty good year of the year before. You chose to come to Edmonton, especially given the contract you signed. You would have had an option there at any other team in the league. Have you, you know, I guess the question is why, ultimately. <laughs> was Edmonton the right fit for you? Because you, you didn't sit there and take a long-term deal, which you could have got from other clubs. Why was the Oilers the right fit in your opinion? Uh, you know, I just had a good feeling about it, you know. It, they're they're still a young team, you know. They've uh, they have great players, obviously, and uh, and it just I, I just had a feeling this is going to be a good year, you know. That's what happens with a young team. They they go far in the playoffs, and then you they have a down year. But uh, um, you know, I'm uh, I'm really confident in this season, and uh, and I just like the fit. I thought I would fit here fit in here really well. So. Uh, you know, there wasn't too much thinking going on. How important is it to be flexible? Because they have played you all, you haven't, I mean, you started with Leon and Luch, but you've moved around a bit. So the guy's got to be a good teammate in that respect, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, Even today in practice, <laughs> I notice you're bouncing around. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I haven't I haven't found my line yet, or, uh, you know, it's uh, obviously up to the coach and stuff, but I don't mind, you know, uh, being flexible. Uh, I think it's good for a player if you're flexible. They can put me on the on the penalty kill. They can put me on a power play. They can put me on the left or the right side. And, uh, you know, I can play a, like a top six or a bottom six role. So, you know, wherever wherever there's need, I think uh, I could fill that role. So there is a Tobias Reeder talking with uh, Bob Stoffer in Germany. And the Oilers will play the Cologne Sharks on Wednesday morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. Breakfast with the Oilers with Reed Wilkins will begin at 7. Oilers making some news today as they uh, traded defenseman Jakob Jurebeck to the St. Louis Blues in exchange for a sixth-round draft pick in 2020. Uh, that will become a fifth-round pick in 2020 if Jurebeck appears in 50 or more regular season games. Uh, the, there's two players uh, left on the Oilers with the Oilers now in Germany that are on their professional tryout still. They haven't... Had a con- they don't have a contract yet, but they're still around. That's uh, defenseman Jason Garrison and forward uh, Alex Chason. So they're still with the team. No idea what's going on there. Um, as far as the defense is concerned, I mean, Ethan Bear is still there. Uh, uh, Evan Bouchard is still there. So there's a lot of uh, decision-making for this uh, hockey team before they begin their first regular season game uh, or play their first regular season game and that will be on Saturday in Sweden against the New Jersey Devils. So Oilers, uh, so they make the trade today. Jurebeck going to the Blues for a 2020 six-round pick. It's pretty good work by Peter Shirelli in my opinion. I mean, Jurebeck was a was a late signing after the uh, Sekera injury. So came in, just wasn't good enough. I mean, that's why you bring in depth. You bring in Jason Garrison to compete. Um, Jerebeck fell behind. Uh, I mean, Ethan Bear, Evan Bouchard had pretty good camps. So you get Jerebeck for a six-round pick. Could be a fifth. Most, maybe it's a sixth. Who knows? Um, you know, depending on the blue situation. But uh, regardless, 
It's pretty good work by uh, one Peter Shirelli. So, um, and Pontus Aberg, who was waived yesterday by the Oilers, he's been picked up by the Anaheim Ducks. It is 7.20. Uh, back with more Inside Sports in a moment, uh, and we'll uh, set you up for the Eskimos Coaches Show as well. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chet. 7.24. Oh, I did turn on the on-air button. <laughs> I'm so used to not doing it that I thought I did it. I did it. I did do it. So there you go. You've been uh, doing well. Thank you. Thank you, Kellen. Appreciate your uh, undying support there over there. Uh, this hour of Inside Sports brought to you by the Furnace family, your 24-7 furnace repair and replacement specialist. Call 7804-FAMILY or FurnaceFamily.com. The Eskimos Coaches Show with Jason Moss, hosted by this fellow... Morley Scott coming up in about uh, 10 minutes from now, thereabouts. Uh, Morley, uh, ugh, 30 to 3. We're still scratching our heads mm-hmm. wondering what was that. And then the big news yesterday with Corey McDermott being relieved of his duties as special teams coordinator. And I think a lot of people are going, huh? <laughs> so, Active weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Active weekend. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see when they go back to work uh, how it affects them and the rest of the way. Uh, through this season. I, I think it's tough, and we'll talk to Jason about this when, when he comes in. It's tough to make any kind of changes with four games to go systems-wise and scheme-wise and everything. But mm-hmm. uh, as he said today, you know, maybe it's just a new voice, just a, a spark for that group of players. We'll get them going. you got to get better on punt returns for, and kick returns yeah. for sure. Like that's, that's the main catalyst, I think, for making the move. The underlying, yeah, and also the message it sends to the rest of the team, which I'm sure the yeah. coach, the head coach will explain And he included more. himself in that, too, when yeah. he said that today. You know, that's a wake-up call for everybody, including me. So, Well, Blake made a good point, too. Blake Dermont, who we had last uh, half hour, said, uh, you know, um, <laughs> it's a shocking kind of move if you're a player because you're going, oh, wow, a coach got fired. A coach, one coach, mm-hmm. one player got got the, the, the boot when probably this is... When we all know it's way more than one yeah. coach. So what will it do for the rest of the group? So yeah. that'll be interesting to see what happens. Wake up call for sure. So we'll talk we'll talk to the coach about all that coming up at uh, five minutes from now or so. We look forward to that. Thanks, Morley. You Appreciate bet. it. Uh, so Monday night football tonight, uh, last report it was ten ten between the Denver Broncos and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we had some uh, Baseball games today, yeah. We had some uh, one-game playoffs to determine the NL West, and that was won by the L.A. Dodgers for the sixth straight year, by the way. They beat the Colorado Rockies by a score of 5-2. Earlier, it was the Milwaukee Brewers beating the Chicago Cubs 3-1 to claim the NL Central. So that means the losers of those games, the Cubs and Rockies, will play an NL wild card tomorrow. The Oakland A's will visit the New York Yankees uh, in the American League wild card. The playoffs, I believe, they begin on Thursday around uh, the Major Leagues of Baseball with the Divisional Series. So as you mentioned, as we mentioned here, the Coach's Show, Eskimos Coach's Show with Jason Moss, hosted by Maury Scott, is coming up very, very soon. Reed is back tomorrow. I know one of his guests. We welcome back Kelly Rudy from the NHL on Rogers. I'll be back on Wednesday. For studio producer Kellen Kennedy, I'm Dave Campbell. Coach's Show is on the way next. Good night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.